The scripture reading will be from Psalms, the 56th chapter, verses 8 through 11. I will be reading out of the New King James Version of the Bible. If you'd like to follow along, Psalms 56, verses 8 through 11. You number my wanderings. Put my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your book? When I cry out to you, then my enemies will turn back. This I know because God is for me. In God, I will praise his word. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? It was a day that changed David's life forever. A day that everything seemed to be coming unraveled. I would suspect that fear and confusion were the things that occupied his mind that day and for quite some time after. I'm talking about the day that King Saul tried to pin David to a wall with a spear. Up until that time, things had been going well in David's life. Samuel had tapped him to be the successor to Saul at some point as king over God's people. David had enjoyed his great victory over Goliath. And as a result of that, Saul had given David some responsibility in his army. And the Bible says in 1 Samuel 18 verse 5 that he was successful wherever Saul sent him. He had support from the populace. The people adored him. As a matter of fact, there was a, <clears throat> a chant that the people had begun to, uh, to use in praising David for his accomplishments. And it said, Saul has struck down his thousands, but David his ten thousands. The people loved him. But what David didn't realize was that as his popularity was growing in the eyes of the people, jealousy was also growing in the heart of King Saul. Saul was not happy at all that David was getting the accolades he was getting. And Saul decided on that day that David must die. And he tried to kill him himself, but David was able to escape his spear. But Saul was very clear that David was not to live, and that was the decree. And from that day, David became a fugitive. From being in a position where everything was going as well as it was, David is now running for his life. And he would take asylum wherever he could find it. As a matter of fact, things got so bad that David ended up 
in Philistia, the land of the Philistines, and specifically in the city of Gath. Gath was the hometown of Goliath, the man that David had slain. And David quietly sought asylum in the city of Gath. But he was recognized by some of the king's servants. And so David knew that he couldn't stay there. Something had to give. And so he pretended to be insane. He started acting like he'd completely lost his mind. And he used that as his means of escape from what he thought would be death at the hands of the Philistines. That's David's life. That's where he was at that particular point. His life turned upside down. His life filled with uncertainty. If there was ever uncertainty in anyone's life, it was in David's then. And it's at this point in his life when it is believed that David penned what we know as Psalm 56. And in that psalm, David makes a strong affirmation. Specifically in verse 9 when he said, This I know, that God is for me. Even though so much of his life was uncertain and tenuous, there was one certainty that anchored his soul. And that certainty was the favor of God. We've got a theme for, uh, for this year. It's going to govern a lot of our studies and a lot of our thoughts throughout the year. Not every class or every sermon, but we're going to come back to it periodically. Our theme for this year is taken, at least in part, from Psalm 56, 9. This I know. We're talking about this year confidence or certainty in an age of doubt. We live in a world where doubt is something that is basically paramount. People are afraid to be certain about much of anything. And people will say that you really can't be certain about anything in life. That you can't really say, for example, that the truth exists and that you have found the truth and that you know what's true and what's not true. And so basically everything in life is kind of put into a gray area where you can't really be certain about anything. We talked about that in one of our introductory lessons last month about this theme for the year. And one of the things that we're going to do is to pursue certain passages of Scripture where the Bible states unequivocally, here is something that we can know. Here's something that we can be certain about. And we're starting with this passage in Psalm 56, verse 9. This I know, that God is for me. Our lives 
share a similarity with David's. Because our lives can be turned upside down too. And oftentimes just as quickly. David's life was going swimmingly it seemed. He didn't know what was happening behind the scenes in the heart of Saul, but from everything that he knew, everything was going so well until he's dodging a spear. And his life changed in that moment. Ours can do that too. A friend becomes an enemy. A marriage is broken because of some unfaithfulness. A steady job, gone. A healthy body, ravaged by disease. An accident takes away a family member. See, our lives can turn too, and they can turn quickly. And those are the kinds of events that can shake the foundation of those that even have the strongest of faiths. But it can do even more damage to the soul that perhaps has a weak faith. Maybe they're not as strong as they could be or should be. And when everything suddenly seems so uncertain, we need some assurance. We need some kind of certainty. We need to be able to have confidence in something. David's confidence was in the presence and favor of God. David said, writing this psalm in his, as he's fleeing Saul, he's been to Gath, did, gone through all of that and he pens this psalm. And so with all of that uncertainty in his life, he said, but you know what? I know this. I may not know where I'm going to be staying tonight. I may not know who's going to be standing around the next corner. I may not know what's going to happen to me tomorrow, but you know what? I know something. And here's what I know. God is for me. He's not against me. He's not fighting me. God is on my side. God is for me. But how do we know that? David knew it. How do we know it? How do we know that today? Well, I would say that a good place to start is in the 8th chapter of Romans. If you want to turn there, we're going to spend some time there, just a couple of minutes. Romans chapter 8. Where we find Paul writing in verse 31. Romans 8, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? 
You start in verse 31, and David begins, excuse me, Paul begins that verse by saying, What then shall we say to these things? Well, obviously, Paul is drawing a conclusion there. What shall we say to these things? What things? Well, you have to go back and acquaint yourself with the earlier verses in the chapter to know what Paul's referencing when he says, What do we say to these things? What's our response to these things? What things? I would take you back to verse 1, where Paul writes, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I would take you to verse 2, where Paul says, The law that states, You sin, you die. The law of sin and death does not apply to us who are in Christ. I would take you to verse 15 where Paul affirms that we are the adopted children of God. I would take you to verse 17, that tells us that we are not only heirs of God, but we are joint heirs with Christ. I would take you to verses 28 through 30, where Paul affirms that God is at work in our lives, molding us into the image of His Son, that we might be glorified in Him. And I would take you to verse 32, where there is no greater assurance that God is for us than in His giving Jesus to us. And it's in that context of all of those blessings that are ours in Christ, freedom from condemnation, being set free from sin and its, and its guilt, being adopted into the family of God, being an heir of God, a joint heir, fellow heir with Christ. God at work in our lives to mold us into the image of His, all of that. Paul says, what then shall we say to those things? What do we say to all of that? When you go back and look at all of these things that God has blessed our lives with in Christ, what do we say to that? Paul says, here's what we say. If God's for us, and the import of that is, yes, He is. Matter of fact, you could, you could very easily and very accurately translate that since God is for us. Since God is for us, as evidenced by all of these things that I just wrote to you about, no condemnation, set free from the law of sin and death, joint heirs with Christ, all of that, since God is for us and all of these things tell us He is, who, who can be against us? If God was willing to give us the best gift of all, that's verse 32, He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for all of us, if God would do that, and He did, then why would God withhold from us lesser blessings? Good blessings, wonderful things, but certainly blessings of a lesser magnitude than the giving of His Son. I mean, can you, can you get a better gift than that? If God was willing to give us the best that He possibly could, 
why would he all of a sudden turn against his own people? The ones who have put their confidence and faith and trust in the son that he gave for us. That's how we know that God is for us. Ultimately, because he gave Jesus to us and for us. Is there uncertainty in life? Sure. Do things happen in life that shake us? Sure. But even when all of that uncertainty is trying to pull us in all kinds of different directions and we want some kind of assurance, something that we can put confidence in, that's it. The favor of God. God favors us. And if God is for us, there is nothing that is against us. Not anything that matters, ultimately. But here's where it gets difficult. And I say this really to myself. So I'm going to talk to myself for just a moment. Y'all feel free to listen in. Some of us have created in ourselves almost something that could be described as an addiction. An addiction to pleasant circumstances. What I mean by that is, some of us think that everything in life needs to be pleasurable and enjoyable in order for my life to be okay. And if it's not, if something happens in life that upsets that pleasure, then some of us will melt into a puddle of doubt, anger, and bitterness. And it's because perhaps we have become so connected to the need for what we perceive to be a need for external circumstances to be always pleasant and joyous and happy, that when that gets taken away, our, our lives crumble because we've set our confidence in pleasurable circumstances instead of setting our confidence in the favor of God. You see, David's life, when he penned Psalm 56, was a mess. From external perspective, he had lost his position. Instead of being in a position to be given the, the rule of the kingdom, the current king was trying to kill him. And he's trying to find asylum in, of all places, enemy territory. That's the only place he could go. 
But David's ultimate joy and satisfaction and contentment was not rooted in external circumstances. It was rooted in his relationship with God that could be maintained regardless of the external circumstances. And that's why he said, you know what? Everything else may be falling apart around me, but I know this. God is for me. And here's the point. That was enough for David. That was enough. Many of us need to learn that lesson. That as long as I have God's favor, that's enough. Do we want pleasant circumstances? Sure. But if God's favor is enough, then whenever the unpleasantness comes, it, it doesn't completely ruin our existence because we've got something to hold on to. Because we've got the favor of God. And that means more to us than anything else. Look back in Romans chapter 8 at the concluding verses, beginning in 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? Distress? Persecution? Famine? Nakedness? Danger? Sword? Think about all that. Paul says, can any of those things separate us from God's favor? Now his answer to that is, verse 37, no. Even in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, Will some folks allow those things to separate them from God? Sometimes. Sometimes those difficulties in life shake us so bad that we allow them to come in between us and God. And so when Paul says, will, will these things separate us from the love of God? Some people, if they're honest with themselves, would have to say, yeah. Paul said it doesn't have to be that way. And it really, it shouldn't be that way. In all of these things, we're more than conquerors through Him who loved us. 4, verse 38, I'm sure, I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Even when everything else in the world is falling apart, God, you can count on. This I know, that God is for me. 
What about your own life, your own heart? I've had to take a look inside mine this week especially, putting these thoughts together. I'll admit, I didn't, I didn't really always like what I saw there. But if your life lacks certainty, if it lacks assurance, if the slightest unexpected bump in the road completely rocks your world, perhaps, perhaps, you need to reacquaint yourself with the favor of God. And maybe there's an addiction to the world's fleeting pleasures <clears throat> that you need to break. Do you need to be in a position, do you need to work on yourself and work on your relationship with God to the point where you can say, you know, my, my eternity is secure. And so I'm good. My eternity is secure. So let, let come what may. Let come what may. My eternity is secure. And I'm good. That's where David was. This I know, that God is for me, and that was enough. Is it enough for you? If you want that kind of certainty and security, it'll be found in Christ. Paul said that which we're not to be separated from, the love of God, he said it's in Christ Jesus our Lord. That that, that we desire is found when we are connected to, when we have a, a relationship with Jesus Christ who died to make your eternal security possible. But you can't have that relationship with Christ if you're not willing to submit to Him as Lord. So if you're ready to do that, first of all, if you recognize the fact that, <clears throat> that you're in sin, and if you recognize the fact that you need to come out of that, and if you are ready to make a commitment, a commitment for life, to submit yourself to the Lord, then come with that faith. Come in penitence, willing to turn from your past sins. Come willing to confess your faith in Christ. And come willing to be immersed in water, where you'll contact His saving blood that will wash your sins away. And you'll be added to the body of Christ. May we help you do that today. Christian, what about you? Have you been living your life without the confidence that you know you want to have? Then why not today allow your mind to focus on all of the good things that God has done for us in securing our salvation Reacquaint yourself with Romans 8 and know that if God be for us, who can be against us? You need to get some sin out of your life that separated you from God and that you might come back to Him and be in His favor. Do it today. If we may help you, we invite you to come as we stand together and sing.